you know, I think uh, developers will, they see the value in, you know, stone bench tops or really nice tap fittings and fixtures, but um, have not seen the value previously in, in, let's say, windows and doors. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello, and welcome to the Property Developer Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you are well. I am going great myself. I have an interesting show for you today. I speak with a window and door manufacturer. Initially, I was surprised when I was contacted by them as I wasn't sure why a developer would be too worried about windows and doors. But listen in to find out if I was convinced otherwise. I'm still trying to buy my next development site. I am getting closer. I had a property get passed into me at an auction recently, but in the post-auction negotiations, it was revealed that the vendor's reserve was 200k above where the agents advertised the range. So we got stuck with a gap too wide to overcome. I am still in discussions about the site with the agent, so we will see if that leads anywhere. My experience on this site is a story for another day, with some questionable tactics used by the selling agent, in my view. Things at the townhouse site are moving along. I met the architect, builder and some contractors on site to resolve some issues around services for the front row of terraces. The local council will not allow us to bring gas and electricity across the front of the terraces, so we need to figure out how best to get them in via the rear. Doing that throws up some other issues that will then need to be solved. The other issue that came up this week is that the framer pretty much finished putting up the timber frames for the first level of the front properties and then realised they had installed them 200mm lower than the drawing specifications. We said we wanted them built to spec so they are having to take them down and start again. This will cost about a week in lost time, but will save me a lot of time later on by not having to explain to buyers why their ceiling is lower than they expected. So on to today's guest, Joel Griffs from Bink Windows and Doors. Joel contacted me a few weeks back and invited me to come down to their factory and learn about windows and doors. At first I said I wasn't sure why I, or other developers, would be particularly interested in windows and doors, but that I would remain open, pun intended, to the idea. So I visited the Bink factory and had a chat with Joel. I got a lot out of it and I'm sure you will too. During our conversation, we discuss why developers don't focus much attention on windows and doors, how you can get an edge on your competition, and why Joel started a manufacturing business in the first place. Of course, I started off by asking Joel what food he could eat until he was sick. My mum's cooking, like just, so we're Sri Lankan background, so she makes this thing called milk rice. I will eat that. I actually do eat it until I'm sick off and now I get to a point where I can't breathe and then I just have to stay there for a little bit. Yeah, I love Sri Lankan cooking. It's yeah. awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice curries. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, particularly this time of year in Melbourne when it's mm. freezing cold. Yeah, yeah. So, Joel, we're here today to talk about windows mm-hmm. and window fixtures, uh, which when you contacted me and said you wanted to talk about, I yep. said... Why would a developer be interested in Windows? Yeah. And you said, come and talk to me and I'll convince you otherwise. So from my perspective, I guess our conversation is around an edge that developers can get by considering the kind of windows and door fittings or window fittings that they can put into their projects and how that might give them an advantage over their competitors, mm-hmm. particularly in a tightening market or when markets start to tighten up. Yeah. So can you share with us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to grow or build 
pink windows. Yeah, sure. So our business actually started organically um, and it was on eBay that our business started. My brother was renovating his house in East Melbourne and he wanted some bifold doors. He went looking around, uh, there was a lot of imported products, things that were sort of really not great as far as quality was concerned. There was some stuff that was a bit too expensive and some of the imported products were also really expensive too. Uh, he decided he was going to build them himself because that's how his brain works. He's a singer and he's a little bit uh, left of centre with how he approaches things. So he builds the doors himself. He happens to get off to a really good Australian hardware and you know he's having a bit of a colour bond moment where he's admiring his workmanship and uh, he decides he's going to put them on eBay. He starts an auction at 99 cents and they sell for $4,500. So he thought, oh, this is really great. I made really good money on this. So I did it again and again. And then I was helping him on the carpenter by trade. So uh, he, um, we, we got an, an email on eBay saying, can you make a different size? And so then that's really how the business sort of started and generated from there. So we're in a tandem carport and when it would rain, it would flood the carport. So we thought, no, no. We'll, and we were sort of working over each other. We decided to uh, get a factory and uh, start the business. And that's really how our business started. Then um, my brother Andre is an IT project manager. He came on to help us get a little bit more professional from our office side of things. And he was uh, sort of not really happy where he was at the time anyway in his work. And uh, we kept getting busier and couldn't keep up. And then Brendan came on board to help us out. And then Black Saturday rolled through and the GSC was announced and we almost had no money left and nothing to do, um, so we started basically cold calling, and then it picked up again, we've, we've never looked back from that point, I suppose, and that was, uh, we also halved our, halved our wages at that point too, which I'm sure uh, all business owners have, uh, have gone through that stuff before. Um, so we weren't formally training windows, which means we didn't have preconceived ideas about how they should be made, we just decided that we would make windows that the customers wanted. Uh, we learned pretty quickly that we learned all we could learn in Australia within about a year and a half. We decided to take a trip over to Germany, did a few tours over there, and it was just mind-blowing and eye-opening about how they were manufacturing windows and how much, how little time and effort they spent in doing so. So, you know, manufacturing costs here are huge, mainly because of labour. And um, in Germany, the labour effort was nothing. So we, we've basically taken that model and now we're manufacturing German spec windows and doors uh, in Australia, which means we can offer a high-end uh, solution but at an affordable price by using then the German machinery and that, that manufacturing model. So I suppose now our focus is to make better windows more affordable and give someone a product that they can actually get excited about, right? Whereas most of the time, everyone just thinks of windows as this, yeah, this utilitarian product that's, you know, one window from one guy is the same as the next window from the next guy, but it's very different. It's very much like a car, you know? You can get everything from, from the bottom to the top end and all, and all in between. Yeah, well, I guess when you think about the external appearance of a building or a home, there's really only sort of four key elements, which would be your brick, the roof... The windows and the doors. Yeah. So if you can kind of get an edge or you can have something that looks a little bit different, it's going to help you stand out from the crowd. Well, I think so. And 
most people will admit, when not in commercial negotiations, they'll admit that they actually prefer the look of timber, um, that it gives an element of warmth and, and that natural element to a building, um, and it can completely change that facade. Obviously, it's you know it's your eyes to the world through the house sort of thing. So, yeah, well, we're here in the uh, fa- the Bink factory, and we've just had a walk around the, the factory floor, and you've shown me some of your products and. Yeah, the timber's really beautiful, the finish is very solid, looks great, feels okay. substantial. So I think just from that sort of touch and feel perspective, uh, it feels like a good product or it, it feels like it would uh, sell well or would appeal well to, to buyers. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think the biggest barriers for, for timber are the reasons why they you know they take all those positives but then some negatives would stop them from actually going and implementing it is really I think it's maintenance and there's a there's a big uh, push in the industry that timber's high maintenance or that it's going to rot out and you know, my explanation to that is well cars are made from mild steel they would rust out in six months if they weren't painted properly so we don't allow for our products to be painted on site we paint them in the factory in a controlled environment and we're the thicknesses of the paints and the products used are tested and measured. So that maintenance factor is dramatically reduced effectively by doing it in that controlled environment. So the negatives of timber are not really there. Um, so you can have that look and that feel and touch and everything. and You can enjoy it now and be sure that it's going to look good in 10 years' time as well. Yeah, I guess that would be a big concern for owners is around maintenance um, and around the perception, I guess, that maybe timber rots or just doesn't hold up that well. Yeah, well, it, there's so many elements that come into whether timber rots or not, right? Um, it's, it's the timber, it's the joint types used, it's the glues, it's the paints, it's the manufacturing process, uh, the orientation or what facade you're talking about, whether that building has eaves or not. Um, all those things really, you know come into play when you're talking about the, the, the maintenance or the longevity of a timber window. Um, so we, we try and reduce all the elements that we can to affect it So yeah, by, by offering that factory finish. And then the other thing we're looking to offer in the future is actually a maintenance service. So we call it Bink Care, whereby we'll come out and perform the maintenance for you, just like when you buy the car. You, know? you can take it back to the dealership and they'll maintain it for you because they can do a better job of it than you can. And you were saying that you've um, been the supplier for a couple of quite well-known developments in Melbourne, yep. uh, apartment-style developments, but you were chosen because of your attitude towards sustainability or just because of the edge that the products bring. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, Breathe Architecture did a project called The Commons, which was... Uh, a pivotal project, I think, for the for the development industry in, in Melbourne, and I think it's starting to be Australia-wide now, where they looked at what elements they could take out of the building and to design smarter from the start and have a total open, um, open door policy, I suppose, and, and be really quite transparent with costs and things like that. Um, they got a massive influx of, of, uh, of people wanting to buy in this, uh, in this building, and in the end, um, they've still got a massive waiting list. Now, part of what they did was making it sustainable. So they got a rooftop garden. Um, the tenancies or the, the retail spaces below 
they actually go, the, the money generated that goes towards each resident. So each resident owns a part of that retail tenancy. And then rather than creating these really small spaces that feel quite cold and stark, they've put, you know, timber lift and slide doors in, obviously, by, by us that have really added an element of warmth to an otherwise, you know, maybe clinical sort of feeling space. And I guess that's something from an energy rating perspective, perhaps is a concern for designers when they're doing buildings and if they put in really big windows, it's going to leak heat or have other concerns for them when the energy rating is done. Can you talk just a little bit about how that can be addressed? Yeah, correct. So up to 50%, sometimes in some cases more, of your heat loss can be through your windows, uh, mainly through air infiltration or thermal conductors, like aluminium is obviously a conductor. Uh, timber is a natural insulator. Um, so therefore, if you take the, the energy rating or the thermal performance of glass and add it into a timber window, that timber window actually improves the rating of that glass. So achieving better ratings is easier for us than you know, our aluminium counterparts. And then further to that, we concentrate on having our windows sealed properly. So a lot of people think, oh, I need double-glazed windows. And that's great, but if your windows don't have good seals on them, well, then as soon as there's a slight breeze, it's going to blow cold air in through those gaps in your windows and then you're effectively wasting your money on double-glazing. So I guess that's something that developers can keep in mind as well, that they'll get some pick-up on, on their energy rating by having much better windows and frames. Very much so, yeah. yeah. That um, We get called up often when uh, and, uh, the orientation of a building might not be um, ideal or there's some energy requirements like to get to a six-star and they want some big windows in there and they just can't get there with the systems they're using. We will get called up or you know, asked, hey, can you... Can you give us a solution that will allow us to achieve that? So our ratings on our windows are super, super low in comparison to the industry standards. Yeah, and obviously having a big, massive window on a wall is going to look amazing when you walk into a big living area or a lounge room rather than a sort of standard size sliding door perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, homes, people are starting to build homes now a little bit in a more controlled fashion than it was maybe 10, 15 years ago where, you know, everyone was trying to build a 40-square home with four living zones and everything. It's starting to come back a little bit. And what we're finding is people are wanting to be able to have still that sense of openness rather than feeling locked in or closed into a small room. So having a big window or a big sliding door can make a big difference to that. Um, you've got to get those energy ratings, though, to, uh, to enable you to still have an efficient home. Yeah, and as I was saying, as the market for developers and developments is getting is competitive, and it will only continue to get more competitive. And I think if you can start to have those little one percenters or little things that your agent or your marketing copy can promote to differentiate you from anyone else, it's going to give you a little added advantage. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, we find that. If we supply a lift and slide door to a project and then that project is then sold, there'll be the hero shot would be through the lift and slide door into into some sort of outdoor entertaining area of some sort. So uh, we think it's a really big selling point having uh, having that timber product and sliding door a large amount of glass in in a building. You know, I think uh, developers will they see the value in you know stone bench tops or really nice tap fittings and fixtures but um, have not seen the value previously in, in, let's say, windows and doors, 
and through no fault of their own, but more through the, the fault of our industry itself in, in not promoting enough. And I think those tactile elements in our home can make a real difference to the psychology of the homeowner. Just things like putting your hand on the door handle as you go to open the front door, the appearance of the front door when you're walking in, if there's, there's just something about it that makes you feel good as you're Absolutely. opening the door and going in. Absolutely. Every time you turn the handle on the, the sliding door or the internal door, those little kind of tactile elements over the long term can really build up someone's self-esteem and belief in their house, in their home? I think so. I mean, I think it's the same feeling you get when you if when you close the close the door of a Mercedes-Benz or, or even a Volkswagen of, of that uh, nature. You know, you close the door and you feel that solidness and that, that, that quality, you know, and you'll get the same thing on a maybe on a Smeg uh, oven when you close that door, you know it's got some weight in it and things like that. So it, it definitely... Um, that touch point is a big deal, a big deal for us as well. So we're quite uh, careful about what handles we use and ensuring they have a really nice, smooth, purposeful action rather than a bit of a, a sloppy sort of, you know, uh, mechanical feeling thing. And when when would it develop? How would a developer go about incorporating a different kind of window system or dooring system into their design? Is that they would talk to their designer about the sort of product that they would want to include or they would talk to the builder? How would they just ensure that they can get something a bit different and that it all works in the final design? Uh, I suppose what we find is <clears throat> the best way to integrate a, a different system or a new system is from the start of the process. So when you're engaging that architect or designer um, and, and the builder and letting them know what you want to do rather than sort of finding it after the fact, which is why we spend a lot of time trying to speak to architects and designers, get them to understand our product. Uh, we find that with our CAD files and everything, we can integrate quite seamlessly into a building, and if we do that up front, it makes it quite easy for for all involved. Um, I think that's probably the best way for us to be, for a developer to, to do that, is if they're looking for that edge and they're, they're wanting that quality product, you know, come and see us, we'll introduce ourselves, and then basically, if we know who the architect is, we'll make a meeting with them, and then we'll go out and give them all the data that they need to be able to, I suppose, you know, integrate the product. And a point that you made earlier was around the influence that it can have on the approval process, the planning approval process, mm -hmm. uh, which I hadn't really considered, but it makes sense if you're going to council and you've got an application or a proposal that perhaps is pushing the boundaries a little bit, um, if you've got a scheme or a design that looks really good, you're probably more inclined or more likely to get some support from council even if you're sort of pushing the boundaries a bit. Yeah. It looks good and council's going to be happy with how that improves the design fabric of the local area. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Um, if you Seen the document Plan Melbourne, I think it's Plan Melbourne 2030. Um, there's a big push for sustainability in multiple different councils. And so, if you start showing them that you want to build uh, a, or do a development that's going to be, you know, aesthetically pleasing, that's going to have a sustainable approach and environmentally friendly, um, and you, you're going to specify products that are improving the quality of the life of its occupants. We find that you know council really do support that kind of thing because that's their driving force is to ensure 
they're doing the right thing for the country as a whole and the, the planning side of things to make sure that, you know, the building that they're putting in is in keeping with the area and, and things like that and in keeping with their overall plan for the for that local, you know, municipality. Yeah, well, design was definitely one of the reasons why our 20 townhouse scheme got through council because it was pretty dense, but they yeah. were really happy with the appearance of it and they thought it would add value to the area, so they sort of passed it through even though there were a couple of things that we uh, asked for them to overlook, which, which they did. Yeah, and I, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's great, but that's a testament of how councils can be if you approach it from that angle. You know, if you're giving them something and giving them reason to, to approve what you want to do, they'll, they'll often go into bat for you, I think. Yes, sometimes, not often. Well, maybe not often, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, so people should, uh, developers should be talking to their designers and saying, let's put in a different system, let's put in something a little bit unique and we can use that as a selling point for, uh, for the project. Absolutely, absolutely. And so tell us a little bit more about the the materials that you use because it's all made on site, very exacting standards. So you don't have any real join points, or it's all uh, cut out from one bit of wood for the frames. Yeah, so sustainability is a big thing. We we get our timber from Hayfield, which is in you know, in Gippsland. So our timber is is felled in Victoria, and it, and it travels two hours to our factory. Um, where then we use it and you know deliver it. So rather than it coming from overseas or whatever on big shipping container ships, um, it is local timber. It's grown in this environment for this environment. Uh, we do use laminated product now because getting heavy large section timbers and getting them to be straight and reliable is uh, is very difficult in Australia. Um, so using face laminated timbers. Makes makes it possible for us to do you know quite large windows with, with big section sizes and keeping them reliably straight and, and, and stable and everything is also kiln dried that makes a big difference. Um, then you know once you have the right timber then it's about having the right joint type and to create that right joint type you need some pretty sophisticated machinery and designs and that's where we've found that we've invested all our money is into infrastructure to ensure that we can consistently deliver a very, very accurate join, join type. So we, we work on a 0.2 of a mil tolerance, uh, which is a little difficult for some of our suppliers to, to accommodate us sometimes, but we, we work to a very, very tight tolerance. And so what sort of level of finish for a development or for a property would this kind of product appeal to? Um, I would say that we're in the mid to upper sector of the market, we certainly would love to be able to cater to the entire market um, and a push, a real driving force for us is making these products more accessible, right? Our, uh, our actual, um, you know, uh, motto is to lift the standard in the industry. That's, we want people to expect more. So to do that, we have to make a better product for less. So that's where we feel that we're aligned with, with a lot of uh, developers and where developers are heading now. Um, so that's probably where we sit, I think, in the market. Yeah, but well, you don't want to be appealing to every single segment of the market because you end up not being a master of any of them. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and we did find that at the start of our business, we we were doing too many things. Uh, so we found our specialty in what was our driving force, what actually got us out of bed, and um, rather than looking at well, 
where are the where's the profit dollars? We say, well, what what is it that we want to do? What's our actual our actual goal in business? Because the profit is just really a, a result of you achieving your goals, you know. So our goal is to is to change the industry, lift the standard in Australia. And is it just the sort of southeastern part of Australia that you service, or do you provide a national? Uh, we have serviced the entire. Uh, all every state in Australia, uh, every major city, uh, we have um, some pretty good transport options to, to all the states. Um, but we do mainly do the eastern seaboard. But so at the moment, our biggest market is Melbourne. We're moving into Sydney now as well, and um, we we're actually also doing a job in Noosa. So we do go. Lots of on-site visits to make sure it's all being installed correctly. Uh, Unfortunately, I might have to go up a couple of times. There's actually been a few people that have uh, put their hands up and volunteered to uh, to do the site visits to Noosa. But so, if people are interested, they can get in touch with you, or yeah, I can certainly know that you could deliver to pretty much anywhere in Australia. Very much so. Yeah, we we find that um, Melbourne has a lot of window manufacturers. Sydney less so, and then the other states a lot less. Right, so some some states really have maybe one, two, maybe three manufacturers in those states. So um, finding the right product can be difficult. So we've we're, we're working hard to make our product more accessible to those states as well. So Joel, you've had lots of contact with property developers, particularly developers that are looking to have a bit of an edge. What tips have you got for, or tip have you got for developers out there to help them get ahead? Wow, tip for developers. Um, I would say to get to really immerse yourself in the design of the building at the start and look at the alternative methods out there because there are some people doing some really clever things and it's saving money and delivering a better product. Um, I find that a lot of people think that you you just you can do one or the other, not both. But uh, if you actually look deep enough, you can often achieve both by by yeah doing your research. You you will often find a, a better product, and it'll be at a better price point too. And so, how would you go about seeking out those better methods or different products? How do you do it? Oh, well, how do we do it? I've immersed myself somehow in windows and doors um, to the point where, you know, I go home and, uh, you know, my girlfriend might be uh, watching some soap, soap opera TV show and I'll be sitting there reading some blog, trying to decipher German language, you know, over the internet of some German blog. But um, I just find it, it just comes down to immersing yourself in, in what you're doing. So... A lot of it's over the internet and then through contacts that we've made. So I, I really focus a lot on making good connections with people in the industry and people that can further my knowledge. So I know some experts in the window industry, um, in the architectural industry and things like that, and I'm always willing to listen and try new things. So we're, we're, we have a pretty open-minded approach. So were you always the kid that got really excited by the, the windows section on Play School? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't say. I always choose the arch window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't say that I did. I think my uh, my passion for construction and stuff has really led me into the into the window sector and, and just for woodworking in general. Um, mainly because we just we we saw such a gap in the market. We just thought it was it was wrong almost. You know, 
Yeah, no pun intended there. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we say we're always remaining open to uh, different ideas and yeah, ways of doing things. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joel, if people want to find out more about Bink, where can they go? Uh, so they can go to www.binq.com.au. Uh, we also have a showroom in Chelsea Heights and one now in Carlton North. Um, and yeah, or just give us a call. I'm sure it's uh, it's pretty easy to Google us. There's not many names uh, out there like ours, so if you Google it, we'll, uh, we'll be up there. Awesome. Well, Joel, thank you so much for being on the Property Developer Podcast. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, Justin. I'll let you get back out on the factory floor and build some windows and yeah, doors. Better, better do that. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks. Well, thank you to Joel and the team at Bink Windows and Doors for showing me around the factory and educating me about why windows and doors can make a big difference to a property development. I have to say, they do make some beautiful timbered doors and windows. When you stop and notice little things in a house, like nice doors or handles or the window frames, you begin to appreciate how many little opportunities you have to shape how the home will feel when it is finished. I took away a couple of ideas from speaking with Joel, including... 1. Explore what other products may be available to you. Can you try a different type of door or window? Or is there a new flooring product that can give you a better result without increasing the cost? You could try calling manufacturers direct or contact an industry body for advice on new ways of doing things. Anything that can help you stand out from the crowd will be beneficial as you try to sell your developments. 2. Explore what new techniques may be out there. This follows on from the previous point, but have you spoken with your builder or designer about different ways of building, or how you can build it cheaper without compromising on the end result? Perhaps an urban design body might be able to share some ideas, or jump online and see what your research can unearth. There is so much change going on in construction and building that you may be able to get a jump on a new technique in your next project and wow your potential buyers. 3. Figure out how you can stand out from the crowd. Let's face it, there's a lot of choice for people when they go to buy a property. How can you help people see that you are different or that you offer better value? Is it through sustainable materials? Is it through different finishes? Maybe you use recycled rubber for the driveway or recycled timber for your exposed beams. Whatever it is, make sure you promote it and ensure your selling agent is fully aware of it too, so they can pass it on to prospective buyers. Okay, we're just about done for this show. Thanks again for listening in. Head over to the Property Developer Podcast website for past episodes at propertydeveloperpodcast.com. Join me on Instagram at Property Developer Podcast for my property developer porn pics and other photos and videos I share. And I'd be grateful if you found a minute to leave a review on iTunes. So until next time, may all your windows and doors open to opportunity. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.